Hi there, my name's Justin and I am a current CT1. Hi, I'm Tom, I'm a respiratory registrar. Uh, so welcome to Optimize Interview. This is the knowledge videos uh, under respiratory. And today we're going to be talking about COVID as one of the potential interview stations. So of the COVID, it was actually a really common interview scenario in the 2021 slash 2022 round of recruitment for IMT. So, uh, you know, definitely something to, to keep in mind uh, and rehearse the practice for, be sort of, you know, know how to manage. So I think the expectation for an IMT uh, candidate is to be able to recognise and suspect COVID in the patient presenting with common symptoms. So, for instance, shortness of breath, dry cough, fever be able to take a focus history and examination, initiate some of the first investigations and managements and knowing when to escalate. Uh, again, with all the other stations, you will get extra marks for considering other and ruling out other reasonable diagnosis. Uh, for instance, PE, pneumothorax, CAP, infective exacerbation of COPD. Uh, considering some of the broader level stuff, so that bigger picture, escalation status, what they, whether, whether or not they've got DNA CPR, uh thinking about you know updating family if there is deterioration uh show that you understand sort of what are the red flag signs and symptoms and knowing when to escalate to a senior medical uh personnel uh and knowing some specific some therapy specific to covid as well for instance uh dexamethasone or thinking about biological therapy um so just some background points before before we jump into the assessment so uh, obviously, it's vi viral illness uh, transmission, sort of mainly respiratory aerosol. Uh, and important to know as well, you know, some policy and practice can sort of vary between trusts, for example, uh, oxygen therapy, you know, uh, wh when to start DEX and when to start uh, biologics as well, that this can change from, from trust to trust. So careful not to get caught up in the kind of small print management points, but focus on the big picture, knowing when to escalate and starting those kind of basic therapies, what you would be expected to know. So going into the assessment, so history, so very briefly, so uh, important things to think about are the common symptoms of COVID. So dry cough, fever, shortness of breath, uh, anosmia, and other sort of upper respiratory tract symptoms. Um, thinking about whether they, or not they've got any pre-existing lung disease, as this might, you know, indicate a kind of severity uh, of their COVID, for instance, if they've already got pre-existing COPD or asthma. Uh, important to know as well uh, whether they, of not, or not they've got any other types of disease, like, for instance, diabetes. Uh, just because you will be potentially initiating on them on dexamethasone, and this might impact on their uh, glycemic control. Um, close contacts is an important one as well, just to know if they've, you know, any other people around you have similar symptoms. Uh, this might point you sort of strongly towards COVID. Um, and as I mentioned before as well, thinking about the higher level stuff, ruling out uh, other things that might be reasonable, uh, but are important to exclude. For instance, for instance, PE malignancy. Um, other things as well, thinking about their vaccination status, whether or not they've been vaccinated before, when the last booster was, uh, and as with most respiratory histories, knowing what their travel history is like. 
um, and what their occupational household pets, uh, whether they've got any household pets and whether or not they are smokers. I mean, I think um, I think in this day and age, uh, vaccination status is probably the most important uh, aspect of the history. So uh, how many doses have they had? Um, when was their last dose? Um, and you know, being unvaccinated puts you at much, much, much higher risk of uh, severe disease. I think also have they had COVID in the past themselves as well um, is an important uh, point to ask. You know, early early on in the waves, you know, no one had um, had it multiple times, but now it's very, very common to have had it multiple times. So useful to know. Um, so moving on to the examination. Uh, so again, you might want to uh, sort of, I'll talk about sort of general respiratory examination specific to COVID perhaps, but you might want to incorporate this into your A to E approach just so you're a bit more structured uh, during the interview. Uh, but broadly speaking, here are some of the things that I would be looking for uh, examining someone with COVID. So for uh, knowing what their vital signs is before going to see them. Uh, from the end of the bedside, you want to know what their work of breathing is like, whether they're using any accessory muscles like the SCM or diaphragm. Um, from the peripheries, you want to have a look, uh, you know, similarly looking for any potential respiratory, underlying respiratory disease, so clubbing, tar staining, polycythemia, peripheral cyanosis, whether they've got a tremor or a flap uh, from CO2 retention or sub-usable use. Um, looking centrally, uh, whether or not they've got any, again, underlying cause of respir uh, underlying respiratory disease, so whether they've got an elevated JVP, whether they've got central cyanosis, how they're breathing in terms of whether are they pursing their lips when they're breathing, or whether they or not they've got any chest wall deformities. Um, with every examination, you know, you want to do your percussion as well to see whether, you know, they've got any dullness around which might suggest an infection or hyperresonance, which might suggest a pneumothorax and listening into their chest as well through auscultation, uh, looking out for any wheeze, air entry, whether it's similar on both sides and whether or not they've got uh, any crackles. So, I mean, in most uh, you know, examinations for, for COVID. I mean, I think broadly speaking, you, you probably wouldn't expect to find much, uh, you know, in terms of clinical science, apart from maybe increased work of breathing. Uh, was there anything here, Tom, that, that you thought, you know, could possibly no, I mean, add? I think, I think for COVID, the most important things are their oxygen saturations and their work of breathing. And those are the things which, you know, will probably determine how they do. Um, but obviously you need to probably mention the rest of it in the interview as well. Um, yeah, I think I wouldn't add anything to that. So thinking about investigations, so for anyone who's sort of acutely short of breath or any signs of hypoxia, I think you'd probably want to get a chest x-ray for them. And again, thinking about uh, sort of higher levels of extra mark kind of things. Uh, thinking about getting a portable chest x-ray for someone if uh, they're on O2 or they're looking unwell. Um, thinking about an arterial blood gas as well uh, to, you know, particularly important if, if they've got known COPD to know whether or not they're a retainer and that will guide your oxygen therapy. 
but also uh you know it's a marker of you know how of what you know how severe it is as well whether you know they've got type 1 respiratory failure or whether or not they're astotic um you know that that might you know change how you how you know how severe you think this that what you're dealing with is um getting bloods uh, for sure so you know you want to know what their white cells and their crp are doing as you would with any kind of infection respiratory infection having a baseline sort of uh, renal function and liver function is important as well and again so again this is sort of finer point stuff but you know in, in the trust that I was in before certainly procalcitonin was was something that they used to determine whether or not to use antibiotics uh, you know again you might want to you know again this is might be trust you know dependent and you know you may or may not want to even mention this in your interview um, if they are bringing up sputum culture, uh, sputum, you might you would want to send that off for culture and sensitivity to guide your antimicrobial therapy. If they're pyrexial, you'd want to get blood culture as well to see if they've got any bacteremia. Uh, and of course, uh, you'd want to get a COVID swab as well, probably uh, the most important investigation here for COVID, see whether or not they've actually got it. Yeah. So I think the, the only couple of things I'd add um, add to that is um, on the full blood count, the um, lymphocyte count is often quite, um, well, quite not diagnostic, but indicative of COVID. So sort of quite a profound lymphopenia. Um, and I think another really important investigation in COVID is um, checking their glucose, which you briefly mentioned before. Um, but we did see a lot of um, people who didn't even know they were diabetic coming in um, with COVID and very high blood sugars. Um, and it did seem to sort of unmask any underlying diabetes. Uh, so we did see a lot of yeah, very high hyperglycemic patients um, and even some DKA and HHS as well, complicating COVID. So definitely check the blood sugar, um, especially if we're going to give them dexamethasone as well. Um, you mentioned the chest X-ray. Um, obviously that's important and as we all know you know you see some sort of patchy bilateral um, infiltrates um the other thing i would add as well is you know with with any sick covid patient have a fairly low threshold to get a ctpa as well um, i mean we know that the incidence of um pe or well probably immunothrombosis is very very high in these patients particularly the ones who are very sick um, so definitely would think about a CT if they were um, suddenly more hypoxic or um, tachycardic hypotensive because don't see that as much in um, you know pure COVID. Um, so you would have a very low threshold to get a CTPA. Also that would let you characterise the um, COVID changes a bit more and on CT you see sort of a organising pneumonia type ground glass pattern. Um, other thing to mention, going back to the chest x-ray, um, probably not as relevant in the acute setting here, um, but on patients who had been on CPAP for prolonged periods of time, did sometimes see pneumomediastinum as well from uh, just barotrauma from the, um, from the CPAP basically, so something to watch out for. Great. Um... So moving on from investigations to acute management, uh, so 
I guess the first thing you want to do is follow your local trust policy in terms of infection control. So uh, putting them in a side room or isolation, if, if that is your trust policy. Um, and sort of promptly initiating O2 therapy if they are hypoxic. And again, uh, letting the examiner know that, you know, you would also consider whether or not, you know, they, they, they're retainer or if they've got um, COPD. Um, he mentioned already about uh, sort of thrombotic events. So you want to make sure that they're on appropriate VTE prophylaxis, you know, obviously something that you'd want to consider for any any inpatient, but but particularly uh, important in COVID. Um, and in the first instance, you want to give them some supportive therapy. So fluids if they're dehydrated and sort of paracetamol for pyrexia and just simple symptomatic relief. Um, and then we kind of go into the more sort of COVID specific things. So uh, thinking about dexamethasone, so uh, that, you know, that's something that we would tend to initiate if, if they were on oxygen therapy. Is that, is that still the case, Tom, or is that change yeah, or is that very? So, yeah, so if, if some the, well, the, the recovery trial evidence says that if people are hypoxic, um, then they should be on dexamethasone six milligrams once per day. Um, and there is also an additive benefit of the monoclonals um, such as tocilizumab or sarilimab um, on top of dexamethasone um, if the CRP is above 80, I think, um, and there's no contraindication in terms of um, other infection risk. Um, so definitely, definitely would consider um, dexamethasone and a... Um, and a monoclonal antibody in COVID. Um, other things to consider with perhaps a bit less evidence are remdesivir. Um, you know, the evidence isn't great, but it gets given a lot. Um, need to monitor the LFTs um, while you're on it. Um, and then the other thing to mention in um, either unvaccinated patients or patients who are very immunocompromised is would they benefit from a neutralizing monoclonal antibody? Um, uh, so the Regeneron cocktail of antibodies or, um, I can't remember its name, um, but you know, the neutralizing antibodies depending on subtype and availability and current guidelines, I would say. And I think probably just on that point, probably suffice, you'd probably suffice at an IMT level, just to say that that's something that you'd be considering or want to discuss with the senior, you know, exactly, you know, yeah. you know, whether or not that's something that might be appropriate. So I think that would on its own would be enough to get you those extra marks uh, in this case. Um, sorry, you were going to say something, Tom. Um, yeah, so also, obviously, we've talked about them being on oxygen um, and the other thing to consider for the patient in conjunction with seniors would be escalation of care. Um, again, this would depend, uh, the exact detail of this might depend a little bit about the local policy in your hospital in terms of um, how much NIV CPAP is given, if so, where that is given, um, whether that's on the wards or within critical care, um, and also would this patient be a candidate for invasive mechanical ventilation? Um, again, obviously with support from uh, seniors, including intensivists. Um, and then even more small print, you know, 
consideration of more advanced intensive care therapies such as ECMO, um, which was obviously used extensively uh, during uh, during the waves. Yeah, and I suppose an uh, important point again just to mention is, you know, at an IMT level knowing uh, when you would want to escalate. So, you know, similar with all sort of interview scenarios, your, your patient will almost certainly require escalating because that's what the examiners want you to be able to identify. Uh, so, Tom, you know, as a as a sort of senior, uh, what would you want your an SHO to to highlight to you? You know, what are the kind of things that we should be thinking about? You know, escalating to yourself. So I think if um, if someone was uh, unable to maintain oxygen saturations of ninety two or above, despite you know an FiO two of at least sixty percent. Um, then that would be a definite sign that, you know, this is someone who needs um, more advanced respiratory support. Um, and, you know, there'd be a discussion with respiratory plus minus critical care about whether that would be best achieved by high flow nasal cannula or CPAP or um, invasive mechanical ventilation in ICU. Um, so I think in, in terms of COVID, the most worrying things is um, is the degree of hypoxia, really. Um, but obviously, any other worrying um, vital sign um, should be should be flagged as well. But mainly hypoxia, increased oxygen demand. Um, as I mentioned as well, if there's anything which is making you think about um, an acute PE as well, should should flag um, senior support. So a very sudden drop in oxygen saturations, or perhaps a drop in blood pressure. Um, again, would uh, necessitate a senior review and a decision about um, further investigations, management and uh, potential escalation of care. Uh, and just quickly to mention, I mean, I'm only going to say one or two lines about this, but, you know, in terms mm. of outpatient management, I think there's a lot of emphasis at the moment providing some psychological support for patients, for instance, with, you know, long COVID. And I think pulmonary rehabilitation as well is, is, is something that, you know, has been done in, in, in some trusts that, that I know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, again, this service is very, very variable depending on um, your region. Um, so I wouldn't get um, get too bogged down in it. Um, what I would say is that um, you know, any anyone who goes to critical care should get some sort of um, post critical care um, psychological support because it can obviously be very traumatizing. Uh, experience uh, being critically unwell and being in um, an ICU environment. Um, all COVID patients should be followed up. Um, you know, hospitalised with COVID should probably be followed up with um, at least a repeat x-ray to um, ensure that uh, there's resolution of um, any imaging changes as you would with any pneumonia um, and also to ensure that their breathlessness is improving. If they're not improving then they should be referred to a um, to a post-COVID slash respiratory service as available um, locally. Yeah. Okay, so I think that that's you know most of the the points that you'll need to know uh, in terms of from an INT level managing COVID. Do you, Tom, just want to go through maybe the key points of uh, of what you think are most important in in an interview scenario for for patients yeah, with COVID. Um, so I think. Uh, demonstrating that you know the 
biggest risk factors these days for a poor outcome in COVID, namely their vaccination status, previous COVID exposures, important comorbidities um, such as any significant lung or heart disease, diabetes, hypertension seem to be the biggest risk factors, so identifying them is really important. Um, and then identifying people who are sick, particularly in terms of their work of breathing um, and severe hypoxia, initiating appropriate management as per um, the current COVID evidence base um, and with aid of senior decision makers making a suitable plan for escalation of care as appropriate. That's great. Thank you very much, Tom. Great. Thank you very much.